You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask, and I want to introduce to you Gus Lloyd, who I met a few weeks ago. And let me tell you a little bit about Gus here. He is the host of Seize the Day, the morning radio show on Sirius XM's The Catholic Channel. He's the author of several books. He speaks at conferences and parishes around the country and educates and motivates people to become all that God desires them to be. I have to say, Gus, thank you, first of all, and welcome to the show. I have to tell you that, you know, perusing your website and just looking at so much that you've done uh, for the faith is something to be commended. Like so many guests that I have, it's just, it's an exciting honor to be able to, to have you on the show. And what I like to do with all guests is, you know, why don't you take us to your childhood? If, if that is applicable, let us know how your journey developed and how, uh, at what point did you come to the faith? And now correct me if I'm wrong, actually revert, right? Not revert. Yes, revert. absolutely oh, yes. correct. A yeah. fellow revert in the house. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. The I, I find there are a lot of us, by the way, a lot of there, reverts out there. There are, and I need to track down a lot more. But, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, God, let me let me start off at the beginning then, and, and you know, just kind of share my story and really just jump in whenever you like, Eddie. Sure. If I'm leaving out details or anything like that. Yeah. So I was, like you say, I'm a revert, and for those who may not know, a revert is someone who basically grew up Catholic, fell away from the faith, and then found their way back to the faith. So that's my story in a nutshell. But you know, it's funny because I grew up in what I like to call a little Catholic bubble. And by that I'm talking about when I was a kid, most of our lives centered around Catholicism, around the church. So I went to Catholic school and you know, we went to mass every Sunday and I was an altar boy. And our whole lives really, you know, this was back in the, now I'm probably quite a bit older than you are, but back in those days, we had nuns that taught us at my Catholic school. We had, uh, you know, priests would come over to our house for dinner. And, you know, we had a number of nuns who would come over for dinner. And my dad and my mom were always at the school. They were always at the church. They volunteered. We sang in the choir. I started lecturing when I was about 10 years old. So I lived in this little Catholic bubble. And to be quite honest with you, I didn't even know that there were not Catholic, there were non-Catholics in the world until I started going to public school in eighth grade. So I thought the whole world was Catholic, you know? I mean, it just, so it was a really a beautiful time. It was just this little Catholic bubble that we grew up in and it was a wonderful time in my life. But the time in my life that I grew up, I'm a, I'm a kid of the 60s and 70s. And I always like to put it like this, back in the 60s and 70s, there were three things that were very prevalent in society, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Thank Alcohol? you very much. <laughs> you're, you're one of my people. Yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, you know, to be quite honest, with you, when, I, when I got into my early to mid-teens, I just fell hook, line, and sinker for all three of those things. I mean, my, and so my whole life became about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And there came a point in my life, probably about my, like I say, early to mid-teens, I would say probably 14 or 15-ish, shortly after my confirmation, which is not an unusual part of the story for an awful lot of folks, right? And I just kind of decided that, you know what, I don't need God, I don't need Jesus, I don't need uh, guys in, in uh, funny dresses and pointy hats in Rome telling me how to live my life, right? 
And so I decided I was just going to walk away. I didn't need any of this stuff anymore. So I did. And, and in essence, faith and church and all that other kind of stuff, it became irrelevant to me. There were so many things that were just much more important in my life. You know, I look back on that time in my life now, and I think to myself, man, what a dope. You know, I really, <laughs> I really fell for the world hook, line, and sinker. But when you're a teenage boy and your hormones are raging and the cultural shifts in America and in the world at that time were just huge. And so I just kind of got swept up with the wave, right? And decided that I didn't need any of this stuff anymore. So I walked away from the faith. And, you know, I like to tell the story too, Eddie, about how I, I remember really the first time that I skipped out on mass. I, I had just like turned 16 years old and just gotten my driver's license. And I told my mom and dad one Sunday morning, I'm like, hey, uh, I'm, I'm just going to go to church myself and I'll, you know, I'll take my car. And I drove to church and I snuck into the back of the church and I grabbed a bulletin, right? And I took the bulletin, went out in my car and did what, you know, teenage boys did. And later on that morning, I, I drove home and I brought the bulletin in and yep. showed my mom and dad. And I'm like, hey, here's my pass. Here's my ticket. You see, I was a mass. So I lied. I lied about uh, going to mass. I didn't go to mass at all. And I remember that first time that I did that, I felt kind of guilty. You know, I'm like, oh, that wasn't a very good thing to do. But the funny thing is the second time I did it, I didn't feel quite so bad. And the third time I did it, I didn't feel bad much at all. And eventually I turned around and many years later, I look around and it's like, I haven't been to mass for years, you know? So it's funny how these things kind of creep up on us. And, and interesting too, about this idea of Catholic guilt, you know, people always talk about Catholic guilt, like it's this terrible thing. I don't necessarily think that it's always such a terrible thing. I think that God puts that in our hearts for a specific reason, you know? I mean, that guilt comes into our lives and into our minds and into our hearts for a purpose, because we know that we're doing something wrong. So that whole thing about Catholic guilt, it's not as bad as a lot of people like to crack it up to be, don't you think? I, I totally agree. And I think it gets, uh, when you hear people talk about confession in general, they immediately think, if they don't understand, especially. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all about the guilt there. That must be a horrible thing. You must squash that. That's not natural when in fact right. your conscience is saying something very loudly. And so I yeah. agree with you. And it comes up a lot. Catholic guilt, Catholic guilt. Yeah. You must be dealing with Catholic guilt. And, and it's interesting, too, the whole thing about confession, just like you said, is that people don't understand. You know, it's, it's easy to speak out of ignorance. And I dare say, you know, the, in the scriptures, we hear about that. In fact, St. Paul talks about this idea of, you know, you, you acted out of your ignorance in the Acts of the Apostles when he was when he's talking to the Athenians. He said, you know, in previous times, you, you acted out of your ignorance, but ignorance is not an excuse anymore. So, you know, I, I kind of wonder, I, I like to put it like this, Eddie, when, when I was a kid, and I went to Catholic school and I went to Catholic church. After I came back to the faith, I realized that I didn't know anything, you know? I mean, I, I didn't know really anything about the faith. And I don't like to assign the blame to the nuns and the priests and the laymen and women who taught me. I'm sure they probably did a really good job. I mean, you know, it was the 60s and 70s, so things were changing a lot back then. Uh, I probably just wasn't a very good listener, you know, I, I, I and then I just put it all out of my head. So I walked away from the faith. And, you know, the funny thing is, when, when we have that kind of faith imbued into us, uh, people can go off in different directions. And by that, I'm talking about, thanks to the grace of God, and the faith that was instilled in me in the beginning, 
I like to call it seeds of grace. You know, I often talk about this concept of seeds of grace and the seeds of grace that are planted in our lives. Yeah. Uh, chiefly through the sacraments, but in many other ways as well. We have, you know, God is always planting seeds of grace in our lives through the church and through our parents and through other people as well. So the funny thing is, is I never would have considered myself an atheist. You know, it's a really popular thing nowadays. A lot of, a lot of folks nowadays are, are kind of becoming part of this new atheism. And I got to hear you. I, I got to tell you, and you probably know this as well. In, in my ministry, I hear from people all the time, especially heartbroken parents who will say, oh, gosh, you know, I, 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 my kids went through 12 years of Catholic school and grew up Catholic, and, and now they're atheists. Now they don't even believe in God. So it's a pretty popular thing nowadays. It wasn't so much back then, but I never would have considered myself an atheist. I, I had God so deeply imbued into my heart and my life that there was never a question about, is there a God? I always believed in God. Now, there was a time where I may have considered myself to be agnostic, and, you know, I, I'm kind of convinced that agnostics are really people who just can't make up their mind. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like, hey, get off the fence one way or the other. Is there a God or isn't there a God? Uh, so, you know, this idea of, well, I'm just not quite sure. So there, there may have been a time in my life, but I can tell you this much. There was a time in my life where I was really hostile to religion and to Christianity. In fact, I, I remember specifically talking at times in my life about how, oh, you know, Jesus is just a, Jesus is just a crutch for weak need people, you know, and how religion is the opiate of the masses. I used to, I used to say stuff like that. And I really believe stuff like that. So bottom line here is that I, I fell far, far away. And as I look back on my life, you know, again, I, I look back and all of a sudden I go back and, and I think, man, I, I haven't been to church for years. So God works in mysterious ways. And he used a near tragedy in my life and my wife to, uh, to kind of call us back. So let me just turn into a, another aspect of my story here. When I was a little kid, all I ever wanted to do with my life was to be in radio. I would listen to these boss jocks on the AM radio. Hey, good morning, everybody. And I would tell my, my mom and dad, I want to be one of those guys. That's all I ever wanted to be was on the radio. So when I got out of high school, I immediately went to broadcasting school because I knew I wanted to start a career in radio. So when I graduated from broadcasting school, uh, I took off to Florida. We lived in Ohio at the time, and, uh, and I got my first job in radio. And then I became a radio gypsy, which is somebody who, you know, you go from market to market, town to town, uh, more prestige, more listeners, more money, blah, 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 blah. And that was my life for a number of years. I was just doing the radio gypsy thing. But man, I had become just a, a lousy human being really just a, not a very good guy and, and certainly not a very good man. So in the meantime, I got married and my wife, Michelle, and I had our first child. And we, through a series of events uh, that I won't go in too deeply into, uh, we decided that I needed to get out of the radio business. It was, it was kind of like, I don't want to blame the radio business because it's a wonderful business, but I had become just a, a really rotten guy. Uh, so I knew I had to get out of the radio business. It was either that or, or divorce my wife and leave my daughter. And, and I decided only through seeds of grace and only through the grace of God that I was going to go ahead and make the right choice and get out of the radio business, start fresh and try and, uh, try and fix my marriage and my relationships with all of everybody. I was dealing with all kinds of addictions at the time. And, you know, it was a, it was a pretty sordid time in life. Anyway, so I got out of the radio business. We moved to Florida, and 
we just bought our first house and hadn't been to church for a long time. So after we had gotten this house, uh, just after we had moved in, we only had one child at the time, our daughter, Emily. And uh, we met this couple who, oddly enough, had a daughter that was about our daughter's age, and they were into sex, drugs, and rock and roll. So we hit it off pretty quick. And they said, hey, why don't you come over to our house? We'll imbibe in some uh, illegal substances and alcoholic beverages and have a good time and get to know each other. And our girls can go off and play together. So we did. That's exactly what we did. We're sitting on their patio. We're uh, you know, we're smoking weed and drinking liquor and all this kind of stuff. And our daughters went off to play when their daughter came onto the patio and looked at us and said she was by herself. And she said, where's Emily? Emily was our daughter. And we didn't know. Now, if you've ever lost track of one of your kids, even for an instant, you know what that's like, right? And I can tell you nothing will sober you up quicker than that. Uh, so immediately we all stood up and we were looking around trying to figure out where Emily was. And the first place that my eyes went was to their swimming pool. And there lying face down at the bottom of their swimming pool was my little girl. You know, it's a moment that I is seared in my mind. I can still see my sweet little blonde haired two and a half year old daughter in her Minnie Mouse swimming suit lying face down at the bottom of that swimming pool. Um, but you know, it's funny because everything happens for a reason. And when I was a younger man, I was in the Boy Scouts and I learned how to do CPR. So again, long story longer, uh, I jumped in the pool and I picked up my little girl's lifeless body. And as I'm holding her lifeless body in my arms, I cried out to God and I cut a deal with God in that swimming pool that day. And I said, God, and, and now remember, I, I didn't particularly like God, wasn't even sure I believed in God, but isn't it funny when the chips are down, who do we go to? God, right? Uh, so I cut a deal with him. And I said, God, if you will give my daughter her life back, you can take my life. Now, little did I know, he had every intention of taking me up on that offer. But I had no idea about this at the time, right? So anyway, I gave my daughter CPR, and she spat the water out of her lungs and started to cry. And man, it was amazing. No ill effects. An ambulance came. They said it took eight minutes, but it felt like it took eight years. Ambulance got there, took her to the hospital. She spent the night for observation and we got our daughter back. I mean, God gave us our daughter back. So my wife, uh, after we brought our daughter back, she says, you know, honey, I think we need to go to church and thank God for giving us our little girl back, which seemed like a perfectly reasonable thing to say, right? Uh, I didn't really care. And I said, okay, whatever. So where do you think we went? To the Catholic church, of course. <laughs> Because we're two Catholic kids, right? We got married in the Catholic Church, the whole thing. So, you know, when, when you grow up, you have those seeds of grace. We went back to the Catholic Church. So we go to St. Paul's Catholic Church in Tampa, Florida. And it was like, and if, if you've ever been to a mass where it's like God has a laser beam planted right in the middle of your forehead, that was that mass for us. We, the readings, everything, it was like God was speaking directly at us, like, like yelling at us. The, re the gospel reading for that day was the story of Jairus's daughter. It's the story of a synagogue official who comes to Jesus and says, hey, uh, Lord, and this was a pretty, you know, this was a pretty controversial thing for a, a religious official to come to this young rabbi yeah. at the time, right? And Jairus comes to Jesus and he says, hey, my daughter is sick to the point of death. Can you please come and do something about it? And Jesus says, yeah, let's go. So they go to Jairus's house. He takes Jairus and his wife and Peter, James, and John into the little girl's room where she's lying dead on the bed. 
And he grabs her by the hand and he says, Talitha kom, which means little girl arise, get up. And he brings this little girl back to life. That was the gospel reading at that mass that day, man. And it's like, hello, anybody home? And I still wasn't home. I still didn't get it. I mean, you know, it's, uh, I kind of can envision God going, man, I thought this was a big enough two by four for you, buddy, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> so anyway, I, I didn't get it. I just, I didn't get the message, but it was the beginning. It was that seed that God planted in our lives. And actually it took a couple of years later before my wife had an encounter with someone, a woman whose daughter also had a near drowning experience. And uh, so she talked to her and the woman asked my wife, do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? And my wife come, comes home from that meeting that night and she goes, honey, I'm saved. And I said, honey, you're insane. What, what does that mean? I'm saved. I don't even know. I don't even know what that means. But my wife gave her heart to Christ that very day. And she started going to church, this little Protestant non-denominational Bible church. And I wanted nothing to do with it. I'm just like, oh, you go do your little Jesus thing. That's fine. I, but, you know, but every week, every Wednesday and every Sunday, my wife would invite me, honey, do you want to go? And I'm like, nah, that's okay. You go do your Jesus thing. I'm fine here. But you know, Eddie, it's funny. I saw my wife fall in love with another guy, some guy named Jesus. And so like any guy, I'm getting a little jealous and I got to find out, well, who is this Jesus character that my wife has fallen in love with? So I started to read the Bible and it's a funny thing because, you know, as a Catholic, well, we don't read the Bible. Yeah, you never right? read, you never no. read it, Gus. Come on. Of course not. So I, I dusted this Bible off of my uh, coffee table, you know, and like try and get the dust off of it. Started to read the Bible and it became so apparent to me that Jesus really is who he said he is. He, he is who he claimed to be. So after a short period of time, I said to my wife, I want what you've got. I, I see the change in you. So I want to get saved too. And so I did. I gave my life to Jesus, and we started going to this little Protestant non-denominational Bible church, and life was good, man. We were praising God, and I couldn't get enough of the Bible. I was just reading Scripture voraciously. And after, after a period of time, my wife came to me, and she said, Honey, I, I think we need to go back and just investigate the Catholic Church. And I said, Why would we do that? You know, those Catholics, they worship Mary, you know. They, they worship statues, you know? I mean, I'd heard all the stuff from my Protestant friends. Uh, and she said, I don't know, the Holy Spirit just told me to. So we did, we went back to church, we went back to a Catholic church and Eddie, it was like the Bible came alive to me. I couldn't believe all of this Bible that these Catholics had at this ritualistic mass, you know? And I'm, I'm looking at my wife going, hey, that's in the Bible. That's in the Bible. Where did all this Bible stuff come? When did the Catholics get all this Bible, right? And I was hooked. That was all it took, man. Just that, that one time. But it was a series. It was a progression, right? So we decided that we were going to re-embrace our Catholic faith, thus the term revert. But there's, there's one more kind of cool little twist to the story, if I may, and it's this. You remember I told you that radio was all I ever wanted to do when I was a kid. So radio was like my first love. It's just, and, and the years that I spent in secular radio, even though I had become just a lousy human being, I had a great time. And I really, really loved being on the radio. 
and and my whole goal in life at that time was to be like this, you know, rich, famous radio star. Uh, but I chose to go in the other direction. So after I'd had my reversion experience and re-embraced my Catholic faith, I, I felt a call to evangelism. I mean, I, I felt God calling me to something, to, to be an evangelist in some way, shape, or form. So I went to uh, the Catholic School of Lay Evangelization in Pensacola, Florida at the time. It was a, a, a very intense, uh, it was either a week or two week program of you know how to evangelize and how to be an evangelist. And I started uh, doing music ministry and we got involved with the charismatic prayer group and all kinds of things. And I just you know really felt this pull to evangelism. Um, and then one day I'm driving around Tampa, Florida, my hometown, and, uh, and I'm listening on, to the FM radio in my pickup truck when I come across this Catholic radio station. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, Eddie, but this is, this is my story and it's a true story. Uh, in my, in my pickup truck that day, God spoke to me. Now, when I say God spoke to me, I'm not talking about like in my heart or in my mind. I heard the voice of God like it was coming out of the speakers in my truck. It was, it, it was unique, a unique experience. And God said to me, Gus, I want you to call this radio station because I, like I say, I was just fishing around the dial. I didn't even know there was such a thing as Catholic radio. This is back in the early 90s, right? And God said, Gus, I want you to call that radio station. I want you to tell them that you've got years of radio experience, and I want you to ask them if they need any help. <laughs> what are you going to do with that, right? So I made a beeline home. I picked up the phone, and I called WVVM. I got the station manager on the line, and I said, hi, my name is Gus Lloyd, and God told me to call you. <laughs> now, <laughs> try that at your next job interview. See how that works out, right? Thanks be to God, though. Tom Derzapolsky is, uh, is the guy's name spirit-filled, Holy Spirit-filled Catholic man. And he listened and the, the, like the first thing he said was, well, how soon can you get here? And that weekend, that very weekend, I was back on the air. What? I was doing a, I was doing a Friday night show. They just, now at this point, it was like a volunteer thing, right? Yeah. But I'm just like, hey man, there's a microphone. This is for me. So I started doing a, a contemporary Christian uh, music show on Friday nights at WBVM. And after just a few weeks, uh, the station manager said, hey, would you be interested in coming and doing our morning show? We want you to be our morning show host. And, you know, at the time I was part of a family business, my dad, my brother, we were all part of a family business. So I'm like, yeah, I, I would. I'd really love to do this. So my point here is simply this. You know, early in life, God put this desire on my heart, this desire to be on the radio. Because of my disordered passions, I took it in the wrong direction. You know, I mean, I was successful and I was climbing the ladder and all that stuff, but it was not God's will. And so he took me out of it, gave me the wisdom and the grace to get out of the business. But little did I know that he had a totally different plan. And Eddie, that was uh, that was 30 years ago. 30 years ago, and I have been doing Catholic radio ever since then. So it's just wonderful to know that, you know, we never know what God's plan holds for us. But I believe this with all my heart. God, I always like to put it like this. It's like the sacraments, right? In the sacraments, God does something. You know, as Catholics, we believe in sacramental theology, that the sacraments are not just symbol. There's a symbolic nature to the sacraments, of course, but God actually accomplishes something. Like in the sacrament of baptism, our sins are forgiven. We receive the Holy Spirit. We, we have an indelible character, a mark put on our soul. So God really does something. And I believe this, 
God never does something for nothing. It just doesn't work that way. God doesn't do something for nothing. So if God puts a desire in your heart, there's a plan there. He has a plan for something. Now, we may not know what that is, and it may not pan out the way that we think it should. But my point is this, that God always puts a desire in our heart for a purpose and for a reason. So, you know, I guess really just follow that desire, whatever that desire is, and God will lead the way. He'll show you the way. So how could I have known when I was a little kid? How could I have known when I was in the throes of addiction and of all kinds of just sinful behaviors? How could I have known that God had a plan for me to be on the radio, but it wasn't the kind of plan that I had originally, you know? So here I am now. I've been, uh, I, I did 13 years as the morning show host at WBBM and Spirit FM in Tampa, Florida. And uh, about 15 years ago, I got a call from, well, I got an email actually from somebody with the Archdiocese of New York saying, hey, we're starting a Catholic channel on Sirius Satellite Radio. We've talked to uh, all kinds of people all around the country and said, hey, who should do our morning show? And yours was the only name that came up. So we'd like you to do our morning show. And I started doing that in December of 2006, and I've been doing Seize the Day, the morning show on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM Channel 129, for the last 15 plus years, and it's been an amazing ride, just an amazing ride. So there's my story. Incredible story. And given the amount of time, I want to get into, just have two questions related to the journey itself. How long were you at that non-denominational church? Uh, Less than a year. Okay, yeah, so it, was, was, it wasn't even a year. So, uh, so I'm going to guess maybe uh, like six to eight months, I think, if okay. that. Okay. And when your wife felt convicted to go to the Catholic Church that first time to get you, you know, to go back, did you continue to go to the non-denominational church or was it a com- complete break with friendships? How did that all play out? Because people are always yeah. fascinated to know how difficult that is when you are in Protestant circles and you cross over to Catholic circles? Yeah, it's a great question. And I always ask people, you know, when I talk to converts as well, Eddie, like you, and what was the cost? So the funny thing is the church that we went to, the little non-denominational church, uh, our best friends really were, were the ones who led us there. So we made so many wonderful friends and had so many great friendships, but you know, the, the great thing about really good Christian friends uh, because we did make a, a pretty clean break. We may have gone back once or twice and sort of, uh, you know, uh, rode the fence. But it w- if we did, it was for a very, very short time. You know, we just decided, hey, the, the Catholic Church is where we belong. And so we told our friends at our at our Protestant church, and they were just kind of like, hey, if that's what God is calling you to do, then go for it. You know, it's sure. all good. So, yeah, it really worked out well, because like, you know, I, I know talking to a lot of converts, uh, it can be a high cost for some people when it comes to family and friends and and some people even have to leave their professions, you know, like Protestant ministers and whatnot to become Catholic. Uh, for us, it, it wasn't really all that traumatic, although I think a lot of our uh, Protestant friends kind of questioned, you know, they're, they're just scratching their heads going, why would they do this? You know, why would they why would they go to that Catholic church? Uh, and it was it was good because over time as I felt called to ministry and especially to an apologetics ministry of, you know, I had the opportunity over the course of some years to, to talk to some of our Protestant friends and really just kind of share the Catholic faith with them. And I, and I of course came to find out that they had a lot of misconceptions, you know, most people do, they have these false notions about Catholicism and what the Catholic church really teaches and believes. So it did turn out to be an opportunity for me to, uh, you know, I, I don't know that, that anyone converted, 
but at least I had the opportunity to paint the real picture for them and clear up a lot of those, you know, weird misconceptions that a lot of Protestants have. Very important. Now, with the last few minutes here, can you talk about since being on the radio, Catholic radio specifically, obviously it's all rewarding, but can you get into some of those moments that have just been unbelievable? I'm sure you get into apologetics quite frequently as well. A lot, yes. You can get into some of that and just what that journey's looked like, especially since starting Seize the Day. Yeah, it's it's really been amazing because since the very beginning, uh, I I got caught up in, in Catholic apologetics. And so early on in my Catholic radio career, I met a guy by the name of Scott Hahn, and uh, we became very good friends. And actually, Scott and I did a radio show together for about five years called A Question of Faith, right? And this was shortly after Scott's conversion, uh, because that's when I got back into, or that's when I got back into radio and into Catholic radio. So it's, it's really been an amazing journey. You know, I, I hope anyway, that I've been able to help a lot of people learn the truths of the Catholic faith. That's really been sort of the hallmark of my ministry is more of a teaching ministry. And the funny thing is, Eddie, is that um, it, it's mostly to Catholics. You know, while I know that we have a lot of Protestant listeners, et cetera, I have found that most people, especially people in my age group, are just like me. They didn't know anything about Catholicism. You know, they, they, they really were just sort of cultural Catholics. And so they hear me do teachings and talks, and I've written a number of books, uh, a series of books called A Minute in the Church that are filled with little one-minute teachings about Catholicism and the Catholic faith. They've been wildly popular. We've sold over a million copies all around the world. Uh, but, but what I'm finding is, is that my ministry is mostly to Catholics and helping Catholics understand the truths of the Catholic faith. And I have to say, it's very gratifying because by and large, I think so many Catholics are just so grossly undercatechized. You know, they just, they, they have no real conception about what the church teaches and why. And one of the cool things about that too is that the, the difficult teachings of the church, you know, the things about abortion and contraception and homosexuality and things like that, they have no clue. They have no clue why and, and when they're told, you know, in a reasonable manner, hopefully a lot of people get it. And, and they say things like, you know, I never really thought of that. I never really thought of it that way. When you tell them about what the church really teaches and the why behind that, it's really gratifying, man, for people when, when you see the little light bulb go off yeah. on top of their head and they go, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's great. Well, and, and I believe that type of work clearly helps people stay in the church because you see when, when Catholics are poorly catechized and they become Protestant, oftentimes those that are a loud voice against the church are former Catholics that were poorly catechized and they yeah. perpetuate the misunderstandings and make division even worse. Um, at some future point, we'll have to get further into how my life parallels yours. I mean, what you said, you said a number of things that were just exactly how I would describe my uh, late teens into my late 20s, for sure. So, yeah. Um, and you know, it's funny, too, Eddie, because I, I hear that so often. You know, I mean, people all the time will say, you know what, Gus, your story is my story. And so, Eddie, your story is my story, and it's a lot of people's stories. It's, it's really amazing to hear the similarities. And I think there are a couple of reasons why that is. 
Number one, because that age period, you know, the, yeah. the mid to late teens, man, that's a tough time. And the, all of the statistics show that after confirmation, the sacrament of confirmation, an enormous, enormous uh, number of teens fall away from the faith. So they'll get confirmed and then, then they're gone, you know? So that's why I think uh, folks like you, the Augustine Institute, hopefully the Catholic Channel and Seize the Day, why we're doing such great work in the kingdom is to, you know, is to help people come to a greater understanding. I hope anyway. Well, yeah, confirmation is to be sent into the world to proclaim, not to just be sent or to leave here. Yeah. You know, you have the, the, the chrism and now you can leave. But yeah, there's a lot of work to be done. Thank you for your part. Thank you for agreeing to this, Gus. That was a phenomenal testimony. And God bless you and, and the channel and your family. And everyone that watched this episode, please share it, like, subscribe. And until next time, take care and God bless.